So my name is Lauren again. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much, Ben, for asking me to speak. And thanks for everyone that's here. And if you've spoke at this meeting or you've just showed up, it's really helped shape my recovery. So I really appreciate it a lot. And um, it's funny that Ben asked me to speak because this is almost three years to the day. I mean, it may even be the day that I came into program. So call it funny, call it higher power. I choose the latter, but uh, really uh, nice to be here. So I came in in March um, three years ago, and I got abstinent um, in June. So this coming June will be my three-year birthday. And um, I'll just kind of go back through what it was like and what it's like now. So growing up, um, I had I was really lucky to have had a really great childhood, like really fortunate. There wasn't any like big traumatic events, um, really great childhood. I'm not just saying that because my dad is here. Really good childhood. <laughs> um, but as a kid, I was always really active. I loved I did from an early age, you know, swim team, basketball, tennis, horseback riding, softball, everything. My dad was a coach on a lot of my teams and I just really liked being part of a team. And I still love hiking. We have, I live by Runyon, so we go with our dog all the time. Um, spin, I still just like love being active. And um, in high school, I ran cross country. And I was really good at it, and I just, I liked the, the team aspect again there. And I was running probably 50 miles a week, 400 miles over the summers. And I was between the ages of like, you know, 13 to 16 years old. So, and I was a normal body weight too in, in high school. And, um, when you're running that much, you're just hungry all the time. And my coach told me at one point that we could eat something like 6,000 calories a day and it wouldn't really matter. So pun intended, I just took that and I ran with it. <laughs> and um, after school, so I lived like about seven houses away from the high school. And after school, between end of school and cross-country practice, my teammate and I would come home, come, go home and we would just eat and eat and eat. And, we didn't, and it wasn't like we weren't trying to binge eat, but it was just like we were hungry and we were growing. And she was also on the varsity swim team, so she's doing three hours of swimming in the morning and then running up to 10 miles in the afternoon. So we were just hungry and consuming, and we'd make all kinds of different snacks and, like, roll up things with bread and cheese and, like, all these crazy little snack combinations. And um, after I stopped running cross-country my senior year, that was kind of the first time that I noticed that I kind of had the capacity to even gain weight. And it really bothered me. And I don't know why. I think I have a couple medical conditions. Um, one that makes my system very sensitive. And I think I've just always been really sensitive to how I feel in my body. So, you know, that weight gain just like really bothered me and I didn't like it. And I kind of kept like the same eating habits where I would just kind of like start snacking and just feel like I wasn't able to stop. And when I went into college, I had a pretty tricky freshman transition, um, as I know a lot of freshmen in college freshmen do. Um, and, you know, when I felt anxiety or frustration or sadness or whatever, and would pick something up to sn start snacking, it was just this inability to put it down. And it was always the, you know, pick up the bag of chips, have a couple, put it away. And then it'd come back out again. And then I'd say, oh, I've had too much. And then I'd put it away. And then it'd come back out again. And just this, like, why can I not stop? Why, why is this happening? And that pretty much continued all up until uh, it continued in college. After I graduated, I got into an industry that was 
pretty stressful and there's that snack closet, you know, and it'd be every day it'd be like, okay, I'm not going to go to the snack cabinet. I'm not going to do the snack cabinet. And I'd fantasize about how I was going to eat. I'm going to eat really clean. I'm going to have like salmon for lunch with grilled veggies. And then I'm going to have a banana as a snack. And then three o'clock snack cabinet. And then my, my trash can is like filled up to the top with wrappers. And I'm sprinkling the wrappers around in other people's trash cans. So they don't know that I'm eating all that. Um, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of the, um, you know, the bartering of, okay, if I, when I go home and I step on the scale, if I weigh more than this amount, then I'm going to exercise. If I don't weigh this amount, then I'm not going to exercise. But maybe I'll eat this. And then if I eat this, maybe it'll make me exercise. Like a lot of the, you know, you hear the insanity of like trying to balance out this disease. And so it finally got to the point where I just felt like I couldn't manage it. And I've always been a kind of, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of person, like pragmatic and motivated. I just couldn't figure out why I couldn't get this one. Um, And it was also a very private thing for me. It's not, I mean, it's not like dinnertime conversation, like, hey, how's it going? Well, I just ate three Pop-Tarts after breakfast, so, like, how are you, you know? It's not, it's not that, you don't share it. I mean, I didn't share it, at least. So, it was very private. I was never a big volume eater, so, and I was always pretty active, so it didn't really physically manifest itself. Um, so, you know, when I told my parents and, and my now fiancé about it, like, they just were like, I... And they didn't, they didn't know that it was a problem for so long. And I finally went to a therapist. And, and I told her, I was like, I can't stop with this eating thing. And it's also the obsessive food thoughts of just like, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to eat for lunch? Was that healthy enough? Should I? It's just, you know, a lot of that um, broken record in the mind. And she told me, she said something like, you know, Lauren, it's an inside job. And I'm like, this lady is crazy. <laughs> Maybe she needs a therapist. And I never went back to her. But, um, you know, she was right. And she said the one thing that I got out of that was she said there's this program called Overeaters Anonymous. And I think that you should check it out. And uh, I, my primary care physician had also said the same thing. She said the 12-step program is great. You should check it out. And it took me a while to come here because I thought, you know, Overeaters Anonymous, we always talk about how it's just not a glamorous name. And I thought, well, am I going to be judged for going to Overeaters Anonymous because I'm a normal body weight? And it took me a while to come. And my first, and I did come, and my first meeting, someone actually said, and they were a newcomer, so bless their heart, but they said, you're skinny. What are you doing here? Why are you here? (laughs) (laughs) And, but when I looked around the room, I saw that there was, you know, all shapes and sizes, all body types, and I really heard my story when I went there and I you know I I heard about all these people that had abstinence whatever that meant and I thought well if they can do it maybe I can do it too and I love this meeting so much and I don't mean offense to anyone but there's so many people here that have abstinence that's older than I am so it's really really inspiring to be here um, with people that have like 30 plus years of abstinence I mean it's absolutely incredible so I came into the program, um, got a sponsor pretty immediately, but I, I do want to talk about that experience of getting a sponsor because I thought that it was just kind of like, you know, you walk up to someone, you ask them to be their, your, their, you ask them to be your sponsor, and that's just kind of how it is, and then they're like your forever sponsor. 
And it was nerve-wracking asking someone to be a sponsor. It's like asking someone to be like to go be your date at a Sadie Hawkins dance. Like, will you be my sponsor? You know, it's kind of nerve-wracking. And I asked a couple people, and it just it didn't kind of didn't work out. Like, I left a couple messages. People didn't call me back. Started with someone else. Didn't really work out. And I eventually did find my sponsor. Found my sponsor, and I've worked with her now for the entire time. Um, but I did just want to say that because I think for, for a newcomer, I really didn't know how that part worked. So I think it just kind of, you know, it just like happens when it happens. And I think when it's meant to be, it, it's meant to be. And I have a great relationship with my sponsor now. She moved to New York, so we just talk over the phone. But she's awesome and has really helped me a lot. Um, but I just, I started working the steps. And one of the things that kind of came up was this... And meditation really helped that, too, was this kind of, like, lack of understanding and a lack of willingness to feel my emotions. And I don't know, I don't know how that started. I don't know, like, what the origin story of that was. But it was, you know, whenever I felt these what I call unwanted emotions of frustration or sadness or whatever, it's like I would create this barrier with food and I would almost tell myself I'd feel that feeling and tell myself no you're not going to get in here you're not going to this isn't going to penetrate and I would just start snacking and feel like I couldn't stop and what meditation in this program has really helped with is just a ability to feel feel all those things I mean I think it's really part of being an authentic human being right it's like it's not just the good stuff there's also the feelings of anxiety or, you know, dealing with all these not-so-fun things. And meditation really helped me to just sit with that and not do anything where I'm trying to make it go away, but just feel it. And I try to do a check-in every morning, and it kind of feels like when we're sharing and we hear that buzzer go off and we say, okay, I hear that. I'm going to wrap up. So it's I wake up in the morning, and I kind of try, I do my meditation or try to just tap into myself, and I say, okay, I hear that. I hear that anxiety today, or I hear that whatever. And I just try to sit with it. Instead of pushing it away, I really just try to feel it. You know, and it's like, what does that feel like physically? Is it that my throat feels like it's tightening up? Do I feel like my chest is heavy? Do I feel, do I feel really good today? Do I feel really light? Um, and that has really helped in my recovery with just allowing myself to feel my feelings and not be afraid of that. Um, so the most important part, too, has been the higher power. So that was interesting because when I came into the program, I was raised, um, I've always been raised Catholic, I'm from Catholic, and I was like, oh, I got that. I got the religious stuff. Like, step two, cross that off the list, we're good here. And it really has, the concept has really changed for me from when I came in to where I am now. Um, and there's a passage that I want to read that really kind of, kind of was the catalyst to that change in, in my higher power concept. And it's from how, uh, Into Action. So it's, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. 
So that was um, really interesting to me. And I think that spirit of the universe is really what I identify with a lot. So my higher power now is a concept that is very light and loving and positive. And it's kind of like that, like the serendipity and the, I mean, and Ben asking me to share three years to the day of me coming into the program. Um, And I see it a lot now in the media with all these like these terrible things that are happening like these hurricanes and shootings and whatever but then you hear these amazing stories of communities coming together or these like heroic tales of some stranger helping another person and that to me is my higher power and it is um i think it outweighs evil and it outweighs the bad things i mean it's really rooted in love which i think is one of the most powerful things so it's been really interesting to kind of have this shift from a traditional religious God to more of a a spiritual spirit of the universe. And I went to church on um, Christmas Eve with my family, and it was really interesting because I just didn't really, I didn't really identify with that anymore. And I know that it's really helpful for them, and I fully support it, and I think it's great. But for me, this is really what my church feels like. It's coming to these meetings and being with you guys and after these meetings, I just feel so good, and I can like really feel that higher power. Um, so that's kind of my higher power. Um, a couple things too that were really interesting coming into the program. Um, ten. ten, okay. Um, what was um, step one was actually tough for me, and of course I knew that my life had become unmanageable because the food dots were just like so pervasive and it was just like a broken record and the weighing and the bartering and all that. Um, but I kind of felt like if I admit that I'm powerless over food, does that just give me carte blanche to eat like whatever I want and just like go for it, you know? It's like, so that was kind of, I struggled with that. And I kind of came to conceptualize that as, I am powerless over the fact that I am a compulsive overeater. Even if I have, you know, three years of abstinence and I don't struggle with food as much anymore, I'm still a compulsive overeater. And I probably always will be a compulsive overeater. And I can't change that. And I am powerless over that. And I don't think I would want to change that because being a compulsive overeater has led me into the rooms and it's been really life-changing. So I don't think I'd want to change it. But um, I think that... uh, that way to digest it made more sense to me of like, I can't change the fact that this is intrinsically part of who I am, but I have this program now and I have these tools that will guide me basically through any scenario, um, but primarily focused around the food. So that was really helpful in just kind of figuring out how to, how to work that step and how to navigate that one. Um, and now I'm on step 11, um, and my sponsor is kind of having me go back through steps one, two, and three because I was, I've been kind of, um, I guess, like to, be, to get current, like having a little trouble with some of the weight that I gained over the holidays. And because I am so sensitive to how I feel in my body, it's like five pounds feels like 50. So uh, we're kind of going back and just looking at uh, body and weight gain with steps one, two, and three. But I think that that's awesome because it's like, okay, this is what I'm struggling with now. And my sponsor's like, here are the things that can help you with that. So I'm not just going through and white knuckling it and just, you know, continuing to struggle. I have someone and I have kind of a roadmap to figure out, you know, what are my current struggles and how can I address these in kind of a more gentle 
and a positive way. So that's been great. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Um, I think one of the more recent displays of my higher power in action came um, about a month ago. So I was having a really, really bad day. And I really like my job 90% of the time. And then there's the 10% where I'm just like, I want to quit. I can't stand this. I hate this. For the most part, it's good. But I was having one of those days where it was like the 10% day. And I was really tired and I was stressed out. And we, were, we had a trip. We were going to Phoenix for spring training because my fiance is like a total Dodger nut. So we had that the next day. And I'm just like tired and stressed. And we had this concert that we were going to go to later on in the evening. And I told him already in the middle of the day, I texted him. And I'm like, I can't go to this concert. I'm just I'm having a bad day. I'm tired. Can you just take someone else, find someone else to, to get the tickets to? And he was like... I think that it'll make you feel better. We should probably just go. And, you know, we've been planning on this. And I'm just like, I don't want to go. So then the day continued. And I was like, I really don't want to go. There was something at work that happened that was like the cherry on top. And I was like, no, this is not happening. So I'm driving home and I text him. And I'm like, I am not going to this. And and I was also having a day where I was having a lot of um, medical issues and trying to figure out how to use this how to practice this principle in all my affairs and how to use this program towards the frustration around these, these medical issues. And as I was driving home and I was just in the worst mood, I thought of this woman that I had met in OA and I hadn't talked to her in like a year and a half. And I just, she randomly popped into my mind and I remember her because she had had pretty much the exact same medical issues that I was dealing with and was in OA. So I was like, I should do an outreach call. I should call this lady. So I call her up. And she's like, it is so funny and ironic that you're calling me right now because I just signed off on paperwork saying I was selling my, I'm saying I'm selling my production studio and my full-time job now is a wellness coach and I'm helping people that are chronically ill because I've healed now since we last talked. She had Lyme disease and a couple other things and she had healed and she was devoting her whole life towards coaching people like me that had chronic illness. And she's like, that's so crazy that you call because literally just sign off and this is like my full-time job now and I would love to work with you and let's do like this you know hour-long consultation call next week and it was amazing and I ended the call as I was pulling up to my house and I told I told her I was like I was having the worst day and you just made me feel so much better and I walked into my apartment and my, my boyfriend could tell that I, there was like some kind of shift and that I just felt a lot better and I was like okay well I'll go to the concert and we go to the concert and the reason why he wanted me to go is because he gets up on stage during the middle of the concert and proposes to me. <laughs> and it's funny because he's not a religious person at all. But he said that when I texted him to say, no, I wasn't going before I called that lady, he got down on his knees and he prayed that I would somehow change my mind and go. And I think that, I mean, if I wouldn't have called that woman that I met in OA, I don't know if I would have changed my mind. And I think that that is really such a pure uh, example of my higher power in action and I'm really really grateful for that and I'm really grateful for the program and um, it's interesting because <laughs> he's very supportive of the program he's always like are you sure you need to go like I've never seen you overeat I've never seen anything I don't really understand but if you want to go and that's something that's important to you I fully support it um, so that's great but I think that I'll probably just and here, I mean, I, I again, I'm just so grateful for OA. Um, 
I've made a lot of friends through OA. My dad now is in another 12-step program because I've told him about 12-step programs, and I know that's really impacted his life in a positive way. And, you know, I wish that everyone that owned a car in L.A. could have a 12-step program. Like, it should be part of, like, the DMV process. It's like, take the test, and then here's the 12-step program, and it'll be good. But um, I am very, very pleased with it. Um, I'm definitely going to be in this for life, and that is all. Thank you so much. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Uh, when asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay. Questions? Thank you so much for sharing. Um, could you please talk about how you came to both your define your abstinence and, and how you work that today? Yeah. So the question is, um, can you talk about how you came to define your abstinence and how you work that today? So my abstinence is simply no binge eating. Um, I am not one of those people that have a red light foods, really. And for those that are listening or any newcomers that don't know what that means, it's the red light foods are the ones where you pick it up and you just can't put it on. It's like a shark tasting blood. It's just kind of like the game on foods that you just can't put down. Um, I didn't have any of those. So my abstinence, because um, and I could kind of binge eat on anything. So it's really been about um, getting in touch with how I'm feeling. So if I'm having one of those days where I'm having anxiety, I can get in touch with that and be aware of how it's guiding my actions. And there are times when I'm at the computer at work and I'm reading a frustrating email and my hand will go into the bag again and I'm like, oh, I'm doing that. I'm aware of that. And I can put it down and, you know, say a serenity prayer or take a deep breath um, and just kind of refocus. So it really today is just about awareness um, around my eating. So the question is, at what point in your relationship and how did you tell your boyfriend about program? Um, pretty early on. I'm, I'm very, I was very open about it. Um, you know, I don't really like to be the kind of person that has a lot of skeletons in the closet, so I like to be really upfront. And I also felt like um, I want someone to, to, to re- when, I, when I was first started dating him, I wanted him to like really know me for me and really get everything out on the table. And I thought that if I was honest about this and if he was, you know, okay with it and willing to be supportive, then that's probably the kind of person that I want to be in a relationship to begin with. Uh, thank you for sharing. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, can you talk about steps six and seven and what were some of your choices, Karen, feedbacks, and you still struggle with Sure. So the question is, can you talk about step six and seven? I'm actually going to read those out. So step six is we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And step seven is humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Um, So the character defects uh, were very illuminating for me Um, when I did my step four and five with my sponsor and she... We, we read everything out and she was like basically 
you know, had, had noted my character defects. It wasn't anything that was like really shocking to me, but it also wasn't anything that it wasn't, there weren't things that I'd been thinking about a lot. So she was saying, you know, character de- defect of needing to be heard or feel validated or character defect of pride or all these things. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. But I hadn't really been fully aware of them. So the ones that were kind of like the biggest ones, like needing to be heard or feel validated, that was a big one for me. Um, those were hard, hard to let go because I think some of them were so ingrained in me. Um, it's just so intrinsic that like I'm also can be a very reactive person too. So um, it was hard to really turn those things over. But at the same time, I also was very willing to turn them over because I I kind of had. Um, they had been illuminated in a way where I'm like, okay, these are causing negative things to happen in my life or these are just causing like unwanted situations or hostility or whatever. So I was very ready. Um, It was just a matter of when in those situations, trying to have that sacred pause and trying to bring the program in to do something different and to get away from those, you know, habitual reactions to just stop and think, how am I using this program? and try something different than what I would normally do. What do you do on a daily basis for your program? So the question is, what do I do on a daily basis for my program? So uh, the biggest thing is I do a daily step 10. Uh, I send an email to my sponsor and I do my um, kind of a, a recap of the day before. If any character defects came up, if any difficult situations, if there was any issues with food for that day, um, I write it out and I email her that every day. Uh, I also try in some days it's, uh, it's, I do it and some days I don't, but I try to do uh, five minutes of meditation a day. I try in the morning, sometimes it's in the evening, but I just sit down, I set a timer for five minutes and I just try to be, uh, practice mindful meditation. So I don't try to clear my mind, but I just try to be really aware of the thoughts that are coming up and the feelings that are coming up and the sounds and just kind of like let that go and get quiet. Um, what else do I do? Uh, I pray when I'm driving to work. I, I try to ask, um, how do I want to show up in the world today? Um, what that, what is that going to look like? So, um, and the answer is never, I want to be frustrated and I want to be mean. It's, it's always, I want to be lighthearted and I want to be of service. Um, so I try to pray in the car. Um, I take as many outreach calls as I can. I'm not as good about making them. I need to be better about that. And then I do a lot of writing. So um, the way that I'm working the program with my sponsor is we go through the OA 12 and 12, and I read a paragraph, and then I write a paragraph about it. So that's really helpful for me, too. So the question is to kind of expand on that, so talking more about tools and if there's a particular tool that I use. Um, again, I really think the tool of prayer and meditation has been so helpful. I mean, the meditation has really helped with the awareness, and I think that if I, if I didn't have that and if I didn't have the program, I'd probably just be going on on autopilot, you know, and it's just like the, with the eating, too. It's just like the autopilot thing. 
Um, so the meditation has been, I think, the most transformative tool. Um, and that sacred pause that I talked about, just being able to just stop and slow down and just take a breath or say the serenity prayer, um, that's been the biggest thing. Also, meetings as a tool. I think that every time I come here, like I said, I feel great afterwards. I've never gone to a meeting and felt like bad <laughs> after. Um, and I always hear things that I need to hear, and I hear reminders about, um, you know, how to live my life in a more serene way. And if I don't go to meetings, and my sponsor asks that I go to at least two meetings a week. So if I have times when I'm traveling or, you know, I'm being kind of lazy about my program and I'm going to one meeting a week or I didn't go to any meetings that week, I can feel myself, I can feel the character defects just like coming back it's like I'm turning into a little gremlin almost sometimes you know (laughs) Um, and it's like my medicine it's like the antidote Um, so meetings are just really 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 helpful for my program too Mm -hmm. I've heard people say Yes. Yeah. So the abs- So the question is um, that you've heard that some people gain weight when they're abstinent, and has that happened to you? And how do you define your abstinence? So that yes, and I think um, you know when I was talking about gaining weight after the holidays and feeling a little uncomfortable with that, um, it definitely has happened to me. And. Well, it's great that I feel like I have freedom from the compulsive food thoughts and the compulsive overeating, at least for today. Sometimes I, I, I stray away from my awareness when it comes to eating. So I'll start eating, you know, maybe my diet will start looking a little bit carb heavy or a little too much sweets or whatever. And while I'm not overeating those things, I'm still not eating quite a balanced diet. Um, and I think that that stems from the, me being a compulsive overeater. I have that mentality sometimes where it's like, I want what I want, and I just want it when I want it, too. So um, I kind of have to get back into my awareness of, does this look like a healthy, loving, balanced diet and meal for me? Or is this more my will over my higher power's will? Because I don't think my higher power would want me to eat, like, cookies for three meals a day. It's just not really in alignment. So that's my will. Um, so I think remembering... Step three, turning over the will and the life, really helps me a lot when I'm making my food choices because it's pretty apparent to me my will versus higher power's will when it's coming to creating balanced meal plans for myself. Sure. So the question is, um, because I've been abstinent for way longer than you, (laughs) Um, uh, can you talk about the struggle coming into program? Um, Ten minutes, okay. Um, Because I I came in in March and I didn't get abstinent until June. So can you talk about that struggle and how you were able to get abstinent? So um, in my share, I talked about step one being really challenging for me. And I just remember on the phone with my sponsor saying, 
So you want me to just stay in powerless, and that's just going to allow me to eat more. And then I'm just going to, like, gain more weight. And it's just, like, it's, like, giving me a pardon almost. Um, and I had to work with her a lot on that. I had to do a lot of calls with her to talk through steps one, two, and three to really figure out um, what that actually meant. And I think that I was fighting her a little bit on it at first, too. Because it is, I mean, these steps are not, this isn't like an intrinsic thing. Like these aren't learned things. These are things that you have to, or excuse me, they aren't things that you're born with. Like you have to learn them. And um, once I kind of realized that this would be a process and it would take learning and practice, um, I think it got easier. I'm also the kind of person that wants to get something right away. So when I didn't get it right away, it was hard. And I was like not questioning the program because I knew that it worked. But I was struggling a little bit with how is this going to work for me. So it took just a lot of time with my sponsor. Um, there wasn't any kind of like aha moment, like this eureka moment or like a lightning bolt came down from the heavens and then I was abstinent. Um, it was just kind of a gradual thing. And the more I came to meetings, the more I heard people speak, the more outreach calls, it just kind of clicked into place. And I don't even remember how it did, but it just took working the program and actually just doing what she asked me to do. That was like the biggest thing is all I did to get recovery was just do what my sponsor asked. Um, and in the beginning that was for the first 30 days, it was 30 calls in 30 days. It was the two meetings. It was outreach calls. And I was pretty diligent about it from the beginning. And then it just, everything kind of slowly followed. So the question is, within my abstinence, do I have any alcoholic foods, which are the foods that I, uh, once I start, I can't stop? Um, I actually don't. Um, and they, I mean, they can fluctuate with foods that I might have, like, a little more issues with than others, but for the most part, I don't. Um, at one time, I was feeling like I was struggling with bagels a little bit, which they're very prevalent in the workplace, especially on Fridays in my office, and they're from Noah's, so they're great. And I was just, I would have one, and then I'd start getting that kind of urge to want to have another one, or just kind of like that, that broken record of like not being able to stop thinking about the bagel that I ate. So um, I brought that up to my sponsor, and she, you know, said, thank you for your honesty. And why don't we try to do, why don't we try to do just like a month without bagels? Why don't we just, or maybe just like one day at a time? Because I was starting to eat them more frequently too. So I did like a month without eating bagels. And then I just kind of stopped craving them and wanting them and thinking about them. And then at some point, I think I talked to her and I was like, I think I'm, okay with this and I think I can try another bagel because it wasn't a it wasn't a true red light food and I can eat bagels now and it's fine and I have one and I don't think about it and I think that that's one of the miracles of the program and something that I'm um, feel really blessed about <laughs> thanks So the question is, can you talk about sponsorship? Um, is it a more formal process or is it something different? Um, so I recently did become a sponsor and I'm not currently sponsoring anyone. I started sponsoring a couple people and the way that I, I sponsor is just 
I mean, kind of the only way I know how, which is how my sponsor sponsored me. And it really worked for me. And I understand that it may not be the style that other people like, which is, you know, the 30 check-in calls in 30 days and then the two meetings a week. And that hasn't worked for for a couple of people that I had started sponsoring and they kind of drifted in a different direction. So, but I mean, it's really the only thing that I can give back is what I was, was given. Um, I don't really know how to adjust it because that's kind of all I knew. Thank you. So the question is, what is my experience with step two? Um, so I'll read it again. Um, step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, and that was the one where I was like, this is easy because I'm Christian and Catholic and this is fine. Um, and it, I, I did have like a strong faith and a strong connection to that. Um, but like I mentioned, it, it really has changed over time. And now I feel like my connection with my higher power is stronger than ever um, and it's something that I feel like I can tap into at any time even if I just kind of take a breath and just take a moment um, I think having that that time to just really take like a deep breath and like I said slow down brings that brings that higher power into my life for me and especially like I know I make jokes about driving but like especially driving to work I can just like take a breath and like someone cut me off like okay no big deal um, my higher power would want me to be accommodating and loving and nice and gentle and not have road rage so <laughs> so um, I feel like it's accessible at any time for me and I also feel like I kind of have the belief that my higher power is always working for me not against me and I'm exactly where I need to be at any time um, I really believe that things happen for a reason and like that engagement story that just kind of really reaffirmed it for me that my higher power is taking care of me. You know, it's a loving power, it's light, and it's um, always available. Mm -hmm. um, that 10% of the time when you hate your job. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. Um, what are some of the tools that you Way through that and not you know act in a way that requires a man's blade. How do you get through that ten percent without you know, getting yourself fired? <laughs> so the question is, um, you know, I really like my job ninety percent of the time, but there's that ten percent where I don't so much. Um, how do I get through that in a way that I don't have to make amends? Um, Sometimes I, I, sometimes I have to make amends. I mean, I'm not a saint. <laughs> like, I'm not, just because I'm in 12-step program doesn't mean I'm, like, acting in alignment with this every single second of the day. Like, there are times when I'm still frustrated or lashing out or whatever. I mean, that happens. But um, for the most part, I, again, like, with that taking a pause and taking a breath, that has been a really helpful tool for me is just stepping away for a second um, and also, when I'm feeling really frustrated, I'll just go take a walk or I'll just go to the bathroom and I'll like say a serenity prayer or I'll just be like, God, please help me because I'm feeling really frustrated. I'm feeling really pissed off and I just, how do I help me bring this program into my day? And that's a, that's a big question that I ask myself a lot when I'm really frustrated with work is how do I bring my program into this? 
Um, and that usually helps me to just lighten up and maybe not hit the send button after I've written an email, maybe delete it. Um, how, do I, how do I apply this, these principles to all my affairs? It really helps. Can you talk about your experiences making amends in step nine? Can I talk about my experiences making amends in step nine? And for newcomers, step nine is me direct, direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Um, I've never, I've always had a, a hard time sitting in the discomfort that comes from confrontation. So my whole life, I've always been one that's quick to apologize, and in a heartfelt way, because, I mean, selfishly, A, I don't like sitting in the discomfort, but B, I really don't like people feeling hurt on account of my actions. Like, that, it really bothers me, and I always want to try to be, have, you know, be in, not have bad blood with people, and I don't want to hurt people. So my whole life, I've always been pretty quick to make those amends. Um, so the amends that I did make, like one was to, I, don't, I think one was probably like to my boyfriend for just ill treatment or I, I don't remember at this point, but um, I remember that it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it would be. I was like kind of scared to make the amends and he was just like, like he didn't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, thanks apologizing and I kind of was like that's it that's it like you, you're not this isn't like a big giant production um, so they weren't as big as, as a big of a deal as I thought that they ultimately would be the question is how do I do service today in the program um, how do I do service today in the program I am an open sponsor <laughs> I don't currently have any sponsees, but if anyone is interested, I am open to sponsorship. Um, I have service positions at meetings, and I also just try to see how I can be of service on a daily basis to people, um, even through little things. If it's like opening the door for someone, if it's like letting people in on the 405, little things like that, I really try to pra practice non-aggression as best I can. Um, and yeah, I'm just like taking outreach calls, all the kind of typical ways, I guess. <laughs> okay. Any last minute questions? <laughs> Good. Okay.